1: hello you're listening to the rhs gardening podcast today we're heading south to the breathtaking surroundings of rhs garden rosemore tucked away in a devon valley Rosemore boasts a wide variety of plant displays and garden areas centred around a lake and punctuated by rills, rivulets and waterfalls. Their are areas with remarkable historical legacies and innovative new spaces such as the Stumpery, the Devon Heritage Orchard and the Foliage Garden to intrigue and inspire visitors. Rosemore is captivating in all seasons. But as the nights draw in and the spectacular autumn colour is replaced by the delicate illuminations of the Winter Glow Festival, Rosemore in November makes a perfect plant lover's excursion. I really love the stream garden at Rosemore. It's quite long and makes its way right across the lower half of the garden, going from pool to pool down the slope and ending in a beautiful lake. At this time of year, it'll be surrounded by plants with lovely colourful stems that'll glow in the winter sunshine when we're lucky enough to get a good day. Our podcast team went to meet some of the garden team in Devon to be taken on a guided tour.
2: I'm John Webster, curator of RHS Garden Rosemore. Rosemore was given to the RHS in 1988 by Lady Anne Palmer. Basically, her family bought the estate in about 1931, and she caught the gardening bug in the 1950s from someone called Collingwood Ingram, Cherry Ingram, who she met on holiday, and he was the authority on Japanese cherries, hence the name Cherry Ingram, and they swap plants, and she developed what was her garden at Rosemore. She gave the RHS her garden because she wanted to see it grow and continue. She lives out in New Zealand now and she still keeps in touch and she's still got fond memories of plants within her garden, as all gardeners do really. We've actually got some cherry trees which, according to plant records that Collingwood Ingram planted, we've got one called Taihaku, Prunus Taihaku, which is the great white cherry. And we've got another one called Prunus Cursar, which is a beautiful early pink which um, he actually selected, so that's got a nice link to the story of how Lady Anne got into gardening. So, I think the beauty of Rosemoy is we've got two halves of a garden in a sense. So we've got her side of a garden, which I call the historic heart, and it's very plant-money And then the formal garden is all about display and colour and to create that impact. The beauty is the two sides join seamlessly, which is great.
3: I'm Miriam Petrie. I'm a horticulturalist at the RHS Garden Rosemore and work in the Edibles Department. Um, we've got typical Devonian weather here. It's a bit showery but very atmospheric today. So when you first arrive at Rosemore, the first bit of the garden that you see is kind of a secluded courtyard with seasonal plantings. As you approach the steps, all of a sudden, kind of the vista opens up to you, and you've got that amazing backdrop of our woodlands and the woodlands on the opposite side of the hill. And all of that is kind of just providing the right backdrop and the right scenery for the formal gardens that we're looking over. So you see very, very sharp, very crisp hedges cut into formal patterns, looking right down all the way along the bottom and then split up into the long border and the lower shrubberies. And you kind of you want to know what's behind all of those. We're starting the fruit and veg garden down here. This is actually my department, so I'm very proud and protective of it. Um, We're growing lots and lots of lovely seasonal veg. that all goes up to the restaurant, and uh, head chef Greg and his team, they're making really, really fabulous seasonal dishes out of it. So everything gets used. Our apples go for juicing and cider pressing, go up for sale in the shop. All of our soft fruits are being made into wonderful jams and chutneys and everything. So, yeah, it's really inspiring, actually, to see kind of what comes out of our produce the question that we get asked the most is probably what do you do with all of your vegetables that you're growing here and everything gets used on site and that's really really brilliant so one of the Devon Cheros has kicked in so we're just sheltering a little bit from the rain so we're standing in the fruit and vegetable garden shelter here at the minute and just taking in the panorama so it's quite a formal layout of the veg garden it's quite a traditional layout but it's i always think it's so multi-layered there's so many different things going on we've got a fruit cage we've got raised beds we've got glass house cold frames more ornamental decorative bits uh, with flowers to attract pollinators we've got kind of narrow beds to for more Dainty crops, let's say. Big beds for large displays of things. Uh, We've got Mr McGregor's garden. We've got rhubarb patch, you name it. I think we've managed to cram quite a lot in it all. So we've got two scarecrow's made out of terracotta flower pots. I think we can say it's a couple. Holding our old garden tools. Keeping a watchful eye on things. We are certainly growing uh, rather a few brassicas. We try to mix it up a little bit with different colours. And I must say brassicas are looking great over winter you just get those color plays of different hues of purple and dark greens light greens but all with a kind of pastely effect on them and especially with a little bit of frost on them as we had last week they're just looking absolutely stunning some kind of really curly leafed kales but we're also trying some different things some kalets, some purple brussels sprouts so um we like to experiment and we like to keep it seasonal and fresh
4: My name is Peter Adams. I'm the team leader of the edibles department and we're currently uh, stood in the veg garden. Down in the veg garden here, we have quite heavy soil that works in two ways. It can be good because it's uh, very water-retentive, but at the same time, it can be a little too water-retentive, especially during the winter, so it takes a bit of uh, management. But it makes a perfect growing environment for a lot of the fruit, so we do really well with apples. They enjoy the, the water content that the soil can hold down here. Roseboro, as a general, sits in a frost pocket, and we are at the sort of lower end of the site, so that does sort of have a bit of an effect. But the veg garden has been designed in a way to try and make the most of that and combat it. So we're surrounded by a thick stone wall, which helps hold the heat in, and the veg garden itself lies on a slope, so it has a frost draining effect. So there is a fence at the bottom which is open, so the uh, frost theoretically rolls down the hill and leaves the garden so rather than trapping it in uh, making a frost pocket every year we hold an apple festival and it brings together everything that's great about apples we have juicing demonstrations apple displays fruit identification sessions lots of apple themed activities going on throughout the day for both adults and children It's one of our busiest days of the year, well I say days, it goes on across the weekend usually at the beginning of October and we are joined by our sister garden at Wisley who bring down an apple display from their collection as well. This year we had over 45 different varieties of apples grown at Rosemore on the display which is quite an impressive display. Our orchards here. So we've got three main orchards. So we have the southwest apple collection, which is a collection of apples that we've been growing in the southwest to deal with our wet, mild climate. We have a smaller orchard in the cottage garden, which holds older varieties to create a feel to the cottage garden. And then in the February of 2017, we planted our Devon uh, heritage orchard which will hopefully come February 2019 hold 45 different varieties of Devon specific Apple trees, varieties that perhaps more at threat of being lost. So some of them are just the odd tree now known to be held in private collections, some people's back gardens. So we have brought together a selection of cider apples, dessert apples, and cooking apples into our new orchard to try and safeguard these varieties so they're not lost forever. So they're all held and we can keep a gene pool of apples.
3: Right, we're now in the formal gardens. We started with the cottage garden. We've got a kind of secluded bit where you've got kind of your really cottage garden style planting a little orchard followed by the potager garden and the herb garden. So this is kind of... Potager is the French combination of ornamental and productive. So this is actually part of our department again. We've got four beds laid out to form a circle and we're growing a really wide range of vegetables but all fulfilling both criteria to be really productive but also highly decorative and it just looks stunning because you get a lot in one space not you don't have your kind of crops as you are used to in the veg garden or in fields where you've got rows and rows and rows of things it's more the the combination and the showing and setting each other off and it's really colorful changed throughout the season highly decorative and a really vibrant bit of the garden
5: My name's Helen Round and I'm garden manager here at Rosemore Gardens. One of the areas of my responsibility is what we call the formal garden, which Approximately 28 years ago, as we would be looking from these steps down into the garden, it would have been all fields. And over the 28 years that the RHS have been here, they've been transformed into what I would probably call demonstration gardens or gardens of rooms. Because as you look down, you can see there's lots of hedges, formal hedges. And within those hedges, we've got lots of different aspects of horticulture. So we've got like rose gardens, we've got a cottage garden, we've got colour themed gardens. So now we're standing in the Cottage Garden, one of my favourite areas of the garden. And the reason for that is because in the Cottage Garden you've got a lot of scope to plant a lot of different annuals, biannuals and bulbs. So it's a little bit more fluid than some of the other areas of the garden here. I think, again, it's a place where people, visitors, come in and the size of the beds here, they can relate to the size of their own gardens because the beds are slightly smaller. And also... The cottage shelter here that we're standing by, it's made of natural materials, so it's obviously that kind of then links with the surrounding area of Rosemore, of Devon. We've got a tree in here, which is a malice, and it's amazing because it's a crab apple, but a lot of people come in and they think it's a cherry, and they say, well, look at this wonderful cherry, and it's amazing because actually they do look like cherries, but when you look closer, yeah, it's a crab apple, and the fruits are actually... We're into November now, well into November, and the fruits are still hanging on there, and obviously a really good plant for the birds. So we're standing here in the foliage garden. This was a new one to me when I came to Rosemore, because you always think that you need lots of flowers in the garden. But here you can just see what you can actually do by just using different types of foliage. Different colours of foliage, so we've got golds, we've got bronzes, we've got purples, we've got different shades of green and also different leaf shapes, so we've got strappy leaves, we've got broad leaves and also different leaf textures. So when you add all those together, you can get some fantastic planting combinations and then with the addition of grasses, and as you can see now, where are the parts of the garden are beginning to fade where the herbaceous perennials are starting to die back, the grasses actually really stand out. And we actually leave those standing right through the end of January, beginning of February before we cut those down Um, so you get all those like biscuity colours of all the seed heads and obviously the wind's blowing at the minute and you get quite a lot of movement with those so it really shows people which I think is one of the essence of the garden what you can actually achieve in your own garden and trying to give people a slightly different angle to approach it from I always think that this is how I'd like my own garden to be at home but I'm not strict enough I always see something that I think, oh, I really love that and put it in. But I think if you can be strict, keep to foliage and also it's quite low maintenance. And I think that is really important because everyone's struck for time these days. So you can make it low maintenance by using different combinations of foliage. We're just standing here in the winter garden And at this time of year now, you can just start to see the winter garden coming into its own. During the summer months, people tend not to come to this area so much because it's very green and there's lots of other things to see, like all the roses, the herbaceous perennials... And as you can see from here, I mean, really what we're doing is as the leaves drop away, it starts showing the really lovely stems of some of the plants. So we've got the dogwoods, the cornice with their red and uh, yellow stems. We've also got the willows as well with more orangey tints to those. And then you can see the bark on like the ace of grisiums there, um, the peeling bark. And we've got birches with the white bark. You've got the bark, you've got the stems, and then you've got the evergreens. I think a lot of people overlook evergreens and how important they are in the landscape. And in the winter months, the evergreens, they really give you the structure in the garden. Apart from the stems, you've also got spring bulbs that will start kicking in usually in about february and then after that you've got the heathers which come in they're, they're usually the latest things to flower in here we've also got the winter flowering shrubs so early flowering camellias things like the cornice as i said the mahonia and the sarcococcas which are absolutely fantastic for scent so you might think there's in the winter why visit a garden that i can honestly say the winter garden here at rosemore um, it's definitely worth seeing
3: So we're now following the stream uphill because that takes us from the new garden into Lady Anne's. So this is the original garden uh, that was created by the family of Lady Anne Palmer. And it's got a lot of maturity, a really interesting collection of unusual plants. Um, It's got a a really, really lovely flow throughout the garden. It's a lot more informal. We've got some beautiful specimen trees and shrubs in here.
6: Hi, I'm David Perry. I'm garden manager for Edibles and Woody Ornamental. Well, At the moment, we're standing at the entrance to Lady Anne's garden, coming across from the formal garden under the underpass. The history of Lady Anne's garden goes back to... Uh, Lady Anne Palmer, as she was originally, her first husband was Colonel Eric Palmer. She was very hands-on, actually, particularly in the early days. She had uh, a chauffeur and sort of a single gardener. The chauffeur was roped into gardening a lot, I think, because of her enthusiasm. So, yeah, she was really um, instrumental in, in the design and layout of the garden with her mother as well. Her mother was very much involved, particularly with the stone garden which was laid out, one of the original elements of the garden it was laid out. One of the elements in that garden was a shelter for which they reclaimed some oak from a ship that was down in the quay at Biddeford. It was being broken up, so they um, reclaimed some really interesting columns from, I think, the captain's cabin. That shelter was since replaced, and we've since then reused them again in a little arbour for our stumpery. That's kind of the ethos really of Lady Anne's Garden, is to try and keep that historic and sort of traditional element going, whilst also keeping it up with the times as well. You know, So the stumpery was conceived about two years ago, so it's a fairly uh, new addition to the garden. One of our team is a real fern buff, absolute mad on ferns and all things ferns, so she was really keen to have another area to expand that collection, so we thought it would be fantastic to do something original and um, make use of some of the materials we have on site i.e. stumps we've got 120 acres of woodland so we've got a pretty good resource there to collect them from so yeah a lot of them came out of the river torridge that were caught up on the weir they were dragged out by the environment agency so we then harvested them kindly from their efforts and have used them in the stump it's a great effect i think so that then creates a lot of sort of microclimate and pockets for the planting to be added to within the stumps you know, really good sort of invertebrates and bird life as well. You know, it's a really kind of natural environment, really, the stumpery And it's caught people's imagination. I think it's just that combination of sort of really structural and sort of almost sculptural feel for domestic gardens you could certainly create your own small stumpery small scale stumpery depending on the available space you have there's always a, something that that's gardening is always something that passes on and you lose and you have to remove the stump or if you need to um, get something a larger tree removed there's always a good way to uh, recycle a stump you upturn them and then get the all the sculptural effect of the roots which then affords you um, the sort of planting pockets in and around the upturn roots to get your compost and plants into subsequently so We've got various plans to enhance the woodland banks. It's been an area that's been rather neglected, I suppose, over a number of years, but it is one of the original planted areas of the garden from Lady Anne's time. So it has some really feature unusual planting trees and shrubs up there, cornice and rhododendron alike. And we wanted to really bring that area back to life. So we are putting some terraces in there, sort of stone terraces, afford more planting because it's so steep and we have lost a lot of soil from via erosion so we want to really uh, bring that area back to life and we've now got one of our team who's sort of dedicated to it so that's really pushing that forward. So one of the unusual uh, elements we've got here is the croquet lawn in which we've now facilitated a, a set of croquet, reworked the maintenance scheme that we can have actually public playing on on the lawn itself so uh, the set is available May through to September and people can play as they will. We've arrived at the possibly the most quirky bit of the garden and the stone
3: garden. So this is where Lady Anne's mother, I believe, displayed some of her sculptures, statuaries, benches, pots, trough millstones that are now becoming the feature of our new pond. Um, lots of different bits and pieces. I think Rosemar's just got so much to offer at any time of year. You wouldn't really associate this time of year, you know, a little bit grey, maybe a bit rainy, a bit stormy with going out for a garden visit but I think Rosemore's got so much to offer when the flowers are going have the things take on the centre stage the statues take over you know they become our blossom of the garden it'll be a real experience a real great time for any age and any context really
1: I love the kitchen garden at Rosemore I think it's one of the best in any of the RHS gardens. It's beautifully laid out on the side of a hill with fascinating walls and fences, an excellent greenhouse, and at this time of year there's going to be some wonderful winter veg to feast your eyes on. If all the tempting produce in the kitchen garden at RHS Rosemore excites your appetite, we've got some great recommendations for cookery books in the annual books podcast to be found on the podcast pages of the RHS website. Coming soon. You can find links to photos and information about RHS Garden Rosemore on our podcast page at rhs.org.uk forward slash podcast. On this page, you can also find links to a varied diary of events and attractions for visitors to enjoy throughout the year, from rhododendron and rose festivals to apple days and winter walks. And if you're an RHS member... Not only can you access the garden for free, but you can get discounted entry to the many courses, workshops and events that are held on the site. That's all we have time for today, but we'll be back with more horticultural happenings in a fortnight. From me, Guy Barter, and the rest of the podcast team, goodbye.